Welcome back to another episode of the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and today I get to spend time with Aaron Thomas. Aaron is an author, speaker, and a high school coach and principal. Aaron's family story is truly one of the most iconic and inspirational stories of our time. It's a story of hope, faith, love, and a lot of grace. It's a story that made the front cover of Sports Illustrated and won an ESPY for the Arthur Ashe Courage Award. It's a story that Aaron continues to tell in an effort to inspire, motivate, and impact others. Aaron, I've been looking forward to this uh, conversation for a long time. We got connected through our mutual friend, Mark Hubbard, who we both love and respect. And I just got to tell you, man, it's a real honor to have you on our show. Thanks for making the time. I appreciate you, Jordan, having me on and uh, the folks you've done this with. It's truly my honor and privilege to be here with you today. Well, I admire the way that you have handled yourself, carried yourself in light of uh, tragedy and really unique circumstance. We're going to talk about that today, your family story and some of the things that you've dealt with over the last 12 to 13 years. Um, And before we go there, I just want to give our listeners some context. And I know you're going to add some context to your family story and your background, but if you're listening and you don't know Aaron Thomas, you should know this. Uh, Aaron Thomas is a part of a legendary sports program. Aaron, you were the son of legendary high school football coach Ed Thomas, who at one point was named the National High School Coach of the Year. He did make the front cover of Sports Illustrated, won the Arthur Ashe Courage Award. We're going to talk about that. But in his heyday, when he was coaching, 37 years at Applington Parkersburg High School, 292 wins, two state titles, five players in the NFL from a school that maybe has 60 kids a class, something like that. Yep. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Right about what we're at. And, uh, and then on top of that leaves this huge legacy, you know, your dad had this quote and this, this is what really stood out to me. He wasn't just about winning. Uh, he was about building young men, building mm-hmm. people. He said, if all I've taught you is how to block and tackle, then I failed you as a coach. So I know that your dad was a man of character, a man of faith, and his whole life was way bigger than football. I'd love for you to take us back to Appling Parkersburg High School, maybe back to the early days when you were growing up. Yeah. Just tell us, what was it like to grow up in that community? What was it like to be the, the son of Ed Thomas? And what did you experience as a kid? Yeah, you know, it was a lot of fun um, growing up. You didn't know any different. And when I, in my youth, it was just Parkersburg and Applington was our biggest rival. The, the two communities are four miles apart. And um, so for me, it would hanging out with my dad would be things in the summer going up to the weight room, um, had the awful chore of helping set up we had he loved his field even back then so the field's called the sacred acre which he never ever called it that that was all his buddies who kind of dogged him um and and there are stories if you read the sacred acre the book you'll hear about guys putting fake dandelions on the field and all these things but you know some of my earliest memories with my dad were setting up the back then there was no underground water system so we'd have to go move all these pipes and between my brother and I, we could almost carry one of them. So we'd be up there, but as a treat, if we helped set up, we usually got to take a run up and down on them a couple of times and, and do some of those things. But, you know, between that and then uh, being up in the weight room, uh, just with my dad, with the high school guys, being the ball boy, those were the things that I think back to my childhood and, and things um, you don't realize at the time, but how special that was. And I think for me, it instilled you know, as I say, when I speak, I never thought my dad really had a job, didn't have a career. He just, I thought he just loved hanging out with high school kids because he was passionate about what he did. And, 
you know, as a second, third grader, you don't understand passion, um, but you can see it. It was very evident. And, and I think that's why I went into education, just seeing his passion for what he did every day. And, you know, to your point, it was about the biggest thing he enjoyed seeing young people become the best they could be or young people achieving things that they never, ever dreamt they were capable of. Um, and I think my dad had that gift of kind of installing that into people or believing in them and getting them to go above and beyond. And, and so for me that, you know, a lot of my childhood during the school year, it'd be, um, and my dad was also the athletic director. So, you know, I go up with him to help set up the gym before a basketball game and I'd be up there after, and I get to go shoot and do all those things. I'd watch the high school guys practice and, and just kind of a school rat gym rat. And that was a cool thing, um, you know, for me and, and in return, my kids now have got to do the same, kind of had the same experience with, with my line of work, um, following my dad's footsteps. But those are the things that, that I think I value very much. You know, we didn't do family vacations. I, I think we went and watched the Cubs play once. My brother and I were big Cub fans. We went up to Minneapolis. We watched uh, the game. My dad is a huge Yankees fan. So we watched the Yankees twins play. I think we did that twice. So that was about the extent of uh, Thomas vacations. Uh, I think our true first family vacation was I played AU basketball. I got to play for Martin brothers, my, my junior year. And we went to Las Vegas. So my parents came out to Las Vegas to watch me play, but um, but, but those memories and those, um, experiences, you know, riding the bus, being on the sidelines, the ball boy, all those things are, um, just a huge part of, I think, why I went into education and, and to see the passion my dad for, like I said, working with young people. Um, you know, like I said, it was about third grade when I think I knew I wanted to teach and coach because of what he did. Well, you're obviously having a lot of impact in the world of education and in the world of sports. And it's important to know you're a great athlete yourself, a four-year letter winner at a Division I basketball program, Drake University. But now you've got this responsibility of kind of carrying on dad's legacy. In addition to your responsibilities of being a principal, a coach, you know, leading in the community. And um, I want to get into some of the events that really shaped part of your dad's legacy. Um, 2009, there was an event that really changed your entire world. And that event actually changed the lives of a lot of people around you. But before that, in 2008, there was another event that a lot of people forget about. There was a, an F5 tornado that sort of devastated the town and actually devastated the high school and, and a football stadium. So can we talk about that before we go to 2009? Yeah, you know, uh, so when the EF5 tornado hit Parkersburg, um, it was – we hadn't seen devastation like that. And at the time I was at Union High School um, was the – assistant principal athletic director there had had boys basketball and I'll never forget it was commencement Sunday uh, for us at Union when the tornado hit in Parkersburg fortunately um, Parkersburg had had our Appling to Parkersburg had had their commencement the week before because had that been going on you know as obvious right before five so they wouldn't have been during commencement but um, but the devastation is something that you don't forget when you see it but it's something you can't prepare for when you see um, you know, a third of our town completely destroyed. If you come into Parkersburg now, you'll still see, you can tell exactly where the tornado went by the maturity or lack there of trees. They're starting to grow. You know, it's crazy. It's been 13 years uh, since the tornado. And so you're starting to see but the, the, the part of town that was hit looks kind of like a new development. We're a up and growing suburb, which we're not. But we just, there was people without homes. And um, I, I will say one of the most unbelievable experiences was just watching the community rebuild um, to see neighboring communities and, and people who used to live here that came back to help, you know, for a town of 2000 people, for us to have 2000 volunteers show up for two straight weeks 
Um, it's things you can't explain except that there's there's still very good people out there that still care about their neighbor, you know, and take neighbor, you know, whether it's a neighboring community, whether it's a neighboring state. Um, but the amount of people who came to Parkersburg who didn't know anybody here um, that showed up with heavy equipment, with chainsaws, with whatever needed just to help, um, I think especially in our day and age today was um, something that was unbelievable. All of a sudden, you know, if, as neighbors, if you and I are neighbors, if your fence was just a little on my property line or that tree limb was hanging out, that stuff didn't matter anymore. And that sense of community that, that was established after the tornado and just everyone pulling for each other, um, rebuilding common goals was, was such a positive thing to see after such a negative, negative, you know, we had seven people killed from Parkersburg. Uh, and the tornado, I think there was two from the neighboring town of New Hartford. Um, but to see a third of the homes destroyed, um, that that is something that you, you're not prepared for. But to watch and see a community rally together and, and honestly, a state, because with the amount of volunteers that came, Parkersburg would never, ever be rebuilt without all the volunteers. Well, at the center of that story is, is a football program. And your dad was one of the people who sort of led the charge in the reconstruction of the town. And then, you know, late August, September rolls around and football came back and everybody in, in the town talks about how the the first football game was really a sense of normalcy, right? Mm -hmm. Things were starting to become normal again. And it's been a football town forever. Right. And so for the town, the way I understand it, I've never been to a game, Aaron, but the way I understand it is man, football is the deal right. in in your backyard. And, um, and again, your dad was, I know a, a really integral part of putting the, the community and the, and the school back together. And then just a year later in June of 2009, um, there's an event that changes the town, uh, certainly changes your life, uh, changes things for your family, changes things for another family, the Becker family that we're going to talk about. Um, and there, there was a ripple sent, I think really around the country, uh, just because of the work that your dad had done with so many people. I, I remember, in fact, where I was standing when I got a phone call from a mutual friend of ours, Andy Campman, uh, mm. and, and I received that news. Um, would you mind walking us through the event um, yeah. that changed your life in June 2009? Yeah, you know, um, kind of like the tornado was something you never, ever planned to experience or be a part of. Uh, I can assure you never, ever thought um, my father would be murdered um, at school in front of, you know, 22 high school aged kids, uh, by a former player, just all those scenarios. Um, it, it's something you don't ever prepare for. You don't ever plan on, you know, we hadn't had a murder in Parkersburg since 1923. So never really even on a radar that something like that might happen to you. Um, and reflecting back, I think watching after the tornado, how my mom and dad handled, um, adversity, uh, losing their home, losing both where my mom worked at city hall, destroyed dad worked at high school, completely destroyed. Um, I, I think seeing that example was preparing myself, uh, Todd, probably I would say my brother, um, for June 24th. Um, it doesn't make it any easier, different. And I also credit my mom a lot for, for her leadership. She hates public speaking and, and Todd does too. So that's probably why I do all of it. Um, but you know, to, to watch that and go through and then have uh, dad obviously murdered that morning um, did send you in just a, a tailspin. And as you said, everything, you know, I was at Union High School at the time and 
this happens and shortly thereafter get uh, asked about, you know, would you be interested in coming back to Appling to Parkersburg, taking your dad's job? And there's parts of that. I at first was like, there's no way it was a smaller school. I was at Union. We just went to the state tournament in basketball for the first time. Um, I was kind of establishing myself, building relationships with the the people at Union that that I watched my dad do here. And at Applington Parkersburg, there's going to be one coach Thomas ever, and that's going to be my dad, you know, and I was able to become my own coach Thomas uh, down there and, and, and kind of starting to build my own legacy. So there was all these just whirlwind of emotions and, and everything was happening, honestly, so fast. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the opportunity to come back home and, and one of my dad's biggest sayings and slogans is, was never forget where you came from. And he was huge on that. And for me to have the opportunity to come back home um, to, you know, hopefully be around my mom. And, and when I say help her understand, my dad mowed the football field three times a week. My dad mowed our home yard uh, 10 times the entire 18 years I lived there. So my mom <laughs> didn't need like help from that stance, but just to, to be around her um, was, was something that my wife and I, that, that mattered to us. Um, for me, a big piece was, you know, if I didn't come back, I'd had, I couldn't complain if, if, things that mattered to my dad didn't continue with that, those legacy pieces on it, on sports here being more than just about winning or losing, but about growing young men, young women, um, the culture, the pride in the community, the school. And, and so part of me really wanted to see those things that mattered most to my dad continue, you know, the field being green and lush and, you know, all those things that I grew up um, that were important to me because what I saw uh, instilled by my dad, I had the opportunity to continue that. So at the end of the day, I think that's what, what brought me back here. And, and, you know, I was fortunate. Mr. Thompson was superintendent at the time, uh, gave me the opportunity along with the school board to return. Um, and, and at that time, our brand new high school is just about to open. And so my dad never actually worked in the, in the new high school. He was very proud of it. So for me to come and, and open that um, and, and be a part of opening a brand new building, which was a rebuilding after the tornado kind of rebirthed. And then, shortly thereafter my dad's murder it just um looking back and reflecting was was fortunate enough to have the opportunity um it did matter and, and that date still affects me um i'm i think as a family we've all been able to get ourselves up and kind of move forward and that was kind of my dad's mantra after the tornado um but with where we are now and it wasn't just because of my mom and, and I and, and Todd, it, it's been a community effort. I, I think we've just got to be a main part of it because of the legacy of what my dad had established. Well, I remember um, that afternoon and I remember you were having to respond, you know, to the media. So here you are dealing with the, the shock right. of what had just happened with your dad. And, and then there's the questions and in the media and it was pretty intense. Uh, yeah. I remember just looking from the outside. I, I can't imagine being in your shoes and, and, and dealing with that. But one of the things that you said and in, in your response to the media that really caught my attention, and I think it caught the attention of a lot of people, is that we need to pray for the Becker family. Uh, Dave and Joan Becker were the parents of Mark Becker, right. who we find out later was you know uh, mentally ill, maybe even more so than, than what people realized. And he had two brothers and his father all played for AP, played under your dad, and Mark right. played for your dad. And I think one of the parts of your story that really stands out to people is how the Thomas family loved on and cared for the Becker family in the midst of that tragedy, uh, tragedy like right away. And yeah. so can you talk about um, 
forgiveness, grace, like give us a window into how you responded to the Becker family and, and maybe that relationship that's formed over time. Yeah, I think, you know, my mom gets 100% credit for, for that message. She had no interest in going to do the press release um, that day. And, and, and I'll never forget the, the DCI had assigned us a person who was going to help us write this statement um, on behalf of the family. And, um, you know, I always convey it to if you watch your local news, a picture will pop up, words scroll across the screen, they all kind of sound the same. Well, I learned the reason why is the same people usually write or do um those press conferences and probably me being back to third grade, just watching my dad after that tornado, I just said, mom, do you care? I'll go speak on behalf of the family. So um, I, I can remember my mom didn't go um, to the press conference. It was myself, my wife, Ellie Todd at the time was actually trying to get home from Jamaica. Um, he was at a, a college roommate's wedding when this all happened. My uncle Greg went with me as well. And um, just when I, when I spoke that day, that was truly my mom's heart. Um, I think we were so in shock at the time or nothing had sank in to your point. Um, but I can remember sitting at our table, my mom just talking about the importance of our message uh, to continue dad's legacy. Because if all of a sudden our message is, is different or uh, finger pointing or blaming everything my dad worked 58 years for, it goes out the window a matter of seconds on how his family responded. And, you know, when I reflect back now, it's real easy being Ed Thomas's son when your coach of the year, national coach of the year, you win state titles and, you know, you get to do all those things, but what was it going to be? I, I think more telling was going to be what was it like being Ed Thomas's son in the toughest moments. And that's something I, I credit my mom and dad with um, how they raised us, um, how they lived their lives. Um, you know, my dad had talked to, I know Dave um, Becker multiple times just on Mark's struggles from the, the, you know, drug use to the mental stuff he was going through. Um, that in that day at that time, there was definitely the respect, you know, Dave still to this day calls my dad coach. Um, you know, he was a captain on his first team. There, there was no question that the last thing they wanted was that, um, they lost not only their son in the end to, you know, prison, but in essence, they lost a mentor as, as when you hear, you know, talk to Dave, you know, my dad taught Sunday school and, and was just an impact influence on, on Dave, especially I'd say growing up. Um, so from those standpoint in that moment, I, I credit my mom for, for having the foresight to know, you know, if, if Ed Thomas's legacy is going to continue, it's going to be, how do we respond in this toughest of moment? Um, and so in that press conference, I think we just kind of said what was at our heart at that time. I think there's some people listening, Aaron, that needed to hear that message today, because I think as humans, we all hold on to stuff. You know, we're not naturally wired to forgive and provide grace. And, and you guys showed, I think, the Becker family, the love of, of Christ, really. I mean, it was grace and forgiveness. And we know that we all need grace, but that was such a profound example of, of grace and of love. And you helped the entire community kind of rally around their family. It wasn't just your family that rallied right. around them, but you you helped a contingency of people um, really rally around them. And, and I understand it's still a, a relationship that is, that is fairly close today. I mean, you guys are, you still live in the same small town and see each other. And I mean, what, what's that like? Yeah, it is a little different now, you know, just as, as, you know, Scott Becker was their youngest son, he graduated. They live North of town between 
Allison in Parkersburg and um, Dave works, worked in Allison. So they don't get this direction near as much. You know, I, I think when you talk to people in communities, when their kids graduate, all of a sudden they're not at every sporting event. They're not at it. And I know, you know, they don't attend the same church anymore. I, I know they just commented it was so hard going into church, not seeing my dad. He was such an integral part. You know, he taught adult Sunday school since 1979, um, was an deacon and an elder, um, and I think some of those memories were just too hard to see that um, for them. Um, they're still very much people of faith, and, and I know they were well-connected at their new church. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's crazy. Our paths don't cross near as much um, like, like they did once upon a time. And, and I think, though, I could say the same thing about other people that same age whose kids, you know, now they're, I can't even call Scott Becker's not a kid anymore. <laughs> He's, you know, grown and um, married and, and successful at what he does. So, you know, life continues to evolve and changes. And, and I don't think our relationships are the, the amount of time we see or don't see the Beckers is any different than the same people who graduated in, in 2009 or when their kids are done with school, your life kind of moves forward. So from that standpoint, we don't interact um, near as much as we were at that time. But when you look back, was Scott going to be a senior? Um, you know, it, it was just there as parents and, and just experienced my oldest just graduating um, your high school schedule and all their activities you know, that is your social event. <laughs> and when they graduate from what I hear, I'm, I got a ways to go yet before all my kids are out. Um, you know, things do change. And, and so from that standpoint, you know, I, I think um, thoughts haven't really changed for them. You know, you, you, you don't see them as often. So maybe that wound or the, those immediate what happened isn't there as much. And I think, you know, our family, why we never, ever forget my dad, I do believe we have moved on and moved forward and and we knew we couldn't live in June 24th forever. Um, or you get full of, you know, hatred or uh, you'd be stuck in this dark cloud and you wouldn't become the people we're supposed to be. And so from that standpoint, life has definitely continued on. And, and anybody who's experienced loss, you know, not just a tragic murder like my, if you lose somebody, uh, a parent to a heart attack, a car accident, cancer, it doesn't matter. And what I've told people is my loss is no greater than the loss you've experienced. It was different. Um, it was magnified by media because of, you know, a school shooting or what happened. But I firmly believe the loss I felt in my dad is no different than anybody else who loses a parent. It's really not. And, and for people who've lost children, I can't fathom that. You know, to me, that is a harder loss, a greater. And, you know, if people could take something from how we responded uh, and, and if God can get the glory, because truly it was the Holy Spirit. Uh, worked in our family to move us forward because I don't think by human nature you could move forward from something like that on your own. I, I really, you know, really believe, you know, uh, it was the Holy Spirit working within us that was en enabled us to move forward because our human nature, I don't think would have got us there. Well, you know, there's this old adage that you can tell a lot about a person when you watch them play hurt. Yeah. You know, whether you're actually hurt, or you're emotionally hurt, relationally hurt. Right. <laughs> and, you, and you've dealt with a lot of hurt. And, and now today you're helping people who are hurting. I think your story is an inspiration to a lot of people who are hurting and going through devastating loss, but also on a day to day basis. Right. You're coaching yeah. high school kids who deal with issues and problems. And so as a coach, I, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, what loss has taught you 
in terms of how you lead, how you, how you help people through difficult problems, and maybe even some of what your dad has taught you about leading through adversity. Well, I, I think the great, the, the one quote I'll, I'll, every time I have the opportunity to speak that, that I talk about, I'll never forget. It was after the tornado and, and the day before we were going to bulldoze the high school. Um, my dad somehow talked FEMA and allowed him to get this football equipment out of the back closet. And so we have an assembly line and we're getting everything loaded to move. And a reporter from the Des Moines Register shows up. And I'll never forget, my dad took time. He answered all of his questions. And my dad had this little S10 truck that he got. You know, Dale Howard was, was kind enough after the tornado, kind of hooked my parents up with some vehicles quick because they had nothing. I mean, our parents were destroyed. So we get in this little S10 truck and, and our elementary wasn't destroyed, just the high school. So we're going to take everything, move it to the elementary gym. And I can still vividly remember this, but dad answers all the questions and, and we're going to the elementary, the reporter leaves. And I, I just, why do you keep doing all these interviews? There's so much stuff to do today. Why did you take that time? And I'll never, I was 30 and my dad gave me one of the, you know, the finger point to the face of, you know, and he said, Aaron, anyone can lead when things are going well. He said, true adversity is when your character gets revealed. And, and he just said, people will watch me with a microscope to see how I respond after this tornado. And he said, my life has been so easy. I've been so successful here at Applington Parkersburg since I came here in 1975. But he knew in that moment how he responded to the tornado. You know, could he get himself up, be that energetic leader, cast a vision? I think that was one of my dad's best gifts. Um, He always had the the ability to, to cast a vision, to see things that maybe others couldn't of where it would go. And so for me to watch that, um, that was the piece, you know, for him to tell me, you know, anybody can lead when things are going well. And and it's true. That's not leadership. When you're winning, when you get to start, you know, for young people, if they get to start for, for parents, when your kids are getting A's and they get to lead in the musical or they get to be the start, that's not hard. That's not when they probably need our parenting, except to keep them grounded maybe. But how do we lead during those toughest of times? And for me to hear that, I have no question it was preparing me uh, after that tornado for June 24th. And, and that's one of the biggest things I've taken with me. And I think, you know, how we respond through adversity says an awful lot because anybody can win. Anybody can be successful. Everybody doesn't always handle it with grace, um, but way more telling about our character in those toughest times. Well, there's no, there's no question that, you know, adversity uh, reveals character. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's revealed your character. I think it revealed your dad's character. Um, you know, when we think about the Thomas family, we think about the word leadership. I know leadership's uh, been a part of your story and your journey certainly was a part of your dad's journey. But the other word that always comes up is culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've just kind of, you know, we do our research, you know, before yeah. we do an interview and, and doing my research about you, Aaron, people kept using that word culture. So Mark Hubbard and, and, you know, kept saying, Aaron's a guy that could just build a great culture. Um, and has built a great culture. What have you learned about building culture through adversity, but also through a lot of winning? I mean, you've done a lot of winning in your career. Tell me what the word culture means to you. You know, culture is just, it's the presence of, of your, who you are as an organization. And I don't care what level you want to talk about a team. You want to talk about for me as a high school principal, what is our high school culture from my, our teaching staff to our support staff, to our students, you know, what culture, what do you want people to experience and feel when they, they come into and either a part of it or they experience it for the first time? And, you know, my dad was huge long before all the great stuff and culture and leadership. Like he was into this stuff. You know, then it was Lou Holtz and he'd watch all these, you know, videos. And, and I don't think people t- they didn't realize the need for it um, or how 
drawn to what people are. I, I love it. I, I'm sure like you, the podcast, the books, you know, I could read everything John Gordon writes, you know, um, there's so many great things out there. Um, and I think my dad was almost ahead of his time in that because he understood the importance of culture. And to me, the way he taught culture, you know, one of the things I can want to, you know, to his quote that, that you referenced earlier, the, the two things when I started teaching uh, and he decided to do this for a profession. He, he said, Aaron, you know, number one, if these young people aren't better people after being coached or taught by you, then you failed them. That was his number one. But the number two thing that I took away, he, I'll never forget. He told me the other thing, Aaron, he said, some of these kids are going to need your team more than your team needs them. And he said, you've got to find a way to keep them involved because it might be the only time they ever get to be equal with their peers um, it might be the only successful thing they get to be a part of. And I'll never forget, he said, you might be the closest thing to a father figure some of these kids are ever going to have. And so that challenge of it wasn't about winning championships. It, it really wasn't. And he'd always say, if you take care of the little things, the big things take care of themselves. Hmm. You know, that was his deal. And, and that was from running five, only five offensive plays. We had more than that, but everybody liked to give him a hard time. I mean, it was simple, but the attention to detail and for me in culture is, I, I think the biggest thing is, do you treat others uh, how you want to be treated? I mean, it's truly that simple. Are people valued? Because what I've found is, you know, as a leader, I will assure you, I am not the smartest person in Appling to Parkersburg High School, but will I empower those around me or, or that I get to lead to become the absolute best they can be? I will assure you, I cannot go teach pre-calc. I cannot go teach chemistry. And I want my calc teacher, I want my chemistry teacher to know I 100% support them. I back them. What can I do to help? What can I do to make your classroom the absolute best it can be? You know, what do you need for me? And then if there's areas, you know, that we need to refine, if I see that, I think that's how do I address that as a leader? You know, nobody deserves to have their dignity taken away. And I think so often, you know, if your job or your leadership is nothing more than a title, that's on your doorway or some little plaque thing you put on your desk, um, you will never build an organization that's worth repeating or that people want to be a part of. My goal at Applington Park is I don't want our teachers to leave um, because they think they work at the greatest place there is. And that was my dad. He truly thought Applington Park was the greatest place and it was contagious. And as a leader, if I don't show up every day thinking I don't work at the greatest high school, how can I ask my teachers to, to have that enthusiasm and passion. And if our teachers can't, how are we going to get 14 to 18 year old kids to buy in that this is a special place? And to me, it ultimately starts with leadership. And I, I think, you know, through reading and, and more so watching, because we can write and, and the verbiage we can say it, but what do our actions show? Mm. You know, I could tell you all these things about how I think I lead, but if you went and if you talked to my teachers and they said, you know, no, that's, that's not Aaron. He, walks around like he's the most important person. He doesn't value the, the time I put in. He doesn't value the relationships I build with my students. It's all for not. Mm -hmm. And then Applington Parkersburg is going to be nothing more than a paycheck to a teacher. It's going to be nothing more than a place a student has to show up to learn, not a place they want to be, not a place where they feel valued. And so to me, honestly, that sense of culture is the number one thing that we have to do uh, in, in education. I think it's the same in, in work. You know, we're in a job shortage right now. You know, you, you go to Subway and you'll see a sign, hey, sorry, limited hours. We can't find people to work. And uh, my son was able to make a state tennis tournament. It was in Waterloo. And it was the best sign I'd ever seen. So we go in to get subs quick between his matches. And, and I go into Subway and the sign's posted. 
And they said, we apologize in advance if we're a little slow. Please don't take it out on the people who actually showed up to work today. <laughs> wow. It was so well. And I talked to the manager when I got my say, I just thanked her for, for how hard her and her staff was working. Knowing, you know, state tenants, you got people from all over. They were doing their absolute best. And it might have been easy to be frustrated. But at the end of the day, that manager, I think, told those people who were there, hey, thank you for what you do. You matter here because of you were able to at least be open and do our best. And that's leadership. You know, that's that one sign is something that was leadership. And, and it one, it pointed out a problem. But two, I think she was telling her folks who were there who did show up. I appreciate you. I value you. And as leaders, that in at the end of the day, that's our, our job, I think. And Amen. that's the stuff that excites me. You can tell I know I'm talking faster and getting I, I just <laughs> it just it, mad, it so matters. And I think in our society, it matters more now than ever before. It does. Well, I know that our listeners just got so much gold out of that segment right there, Aaron. And and I can see it in you, man, the the passion and <laughs> and the love for for people and, and leadership in a school and your family. Um, I know one of the things that is behind all this, right? The driving force, you might say, for your passion for leadership and, and family and people and culture is your faith. Mm. And that's been really well documented. You know, if you study the, the, the story, your family story, you read the book, the Sacred Acre, you, you see anything on the news. I mean, your faith is just a thread throughout. And I think being in the public eye, sometimes it's hard to wear your faith on your sleeve, but you do that really well. And I'd love for you to speak just a little bit about you know, what that means to you and how you lead through faith, you know, while still uh, keeping the understanding that, hey, not everybody uh, maybe believes the same way that you do. Yep. Um, you know, obviously you're, you're an administrator. So in today's world, we got to be a little bit careful uh, about that. But you seem to, to strike a really great balance of being bold about your faith and still, you know, not, you know, pushing it in, in somebody's face. So what does that, what does that mean to you, Aaron? Yeah. You know, and again, I was so fortunate to, to have uh, an example that I got to live with every day and watch. Uh, my dad was a, a great man of faith and, and always set that as the priority. Um, you know, the, the slogan that came up after my dad's passing was faith, family, football. And it was in that order for a reason. And, and we gave him a hard time that family was about this much ahead of football. Um, you know, we were, we were a, Second, third were pretty tight, but no, we just came. But, but there was never a question about what number one was. Um, and I think the way he did it, uh, it was way more in how he lived his life. It wasn't just verbiage. Um, I think my dad had an unbelievable knack of living his faith, never beat people over the head. But when the opportunity presented itself, he was very good at taking advantage of that moment. And he wanted people to see there was something different about him, how he carried himself. And he was the same person. You know, I think one of the best ways to tell that, do people change around you or do you change around other people? And, and, and you know, my dad's language never changed. You know, if he was around, you know, this certain group of guys, and my dad had some interest, like some of his friendship circles were extremely interesting, but he never changed. You know, he, he, I never, ever saw my dad drink alcohol. And I think a lot of that, he grew up the son of an alcoholic, but at 58 years, and I talked to some of his high school buddies and they said, you know, my dad would drive them around and, and, and whatnot, but he never drank, not because, but that was his example. He was going to live, you know, I didn't hear my dad swear. Um, and, and that were things that so impressioned me as a young person, I strive and I'm not, you know, I, I still feel I don't measure up to my dad. And ultimately that's not the ultimate goal. I mean, you know, it's not, I'm not doing, you know, my faith has to be my own. And I think as a parent, that's the one thing 
that I've really had to learn with my own children. You know, now that I got one that's going to go off to college, it's got to be his faith. It can't be, you know, mom and dad expect. Now our kids are going to church and they're going to be there because I think that discipline is important. But at the end of the day, it's one, it's got to become your own, but two, it can't just be a faith on, on Sunday, you know, how I act. And now some people are going to watch who watch me coach basketball and think that guy's claiming to be, because I get wound and I'm competitive as it comes. Um, but, you know, in between the stripes, we'll compete and whatnot. But when it's done, I still, you know, the competitive nature, I think you can still be a, a Christian and be competitive. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but it's, you know, what are your antics? What are those things? And like I said, not perfect. I mean, there's times I have lost my composure and, and done some of those things that shouldn't, but, um, you know, can you do it with humility and grace, um, you know, success or failure? Can you build those relationships with other people, um, other coaches, other, and, and spread your impact that way? That's what I got to see my dad do and, and have tried to, to do that. And I don't do everything like my dad. Um, you know, when I got hired here, one of the first things I told him is I won't do everything like my dad did. Just like, I actually use a computer. He hand wrote everything. So, you know, there's things you put your own stamp, but for me to have that example was huge. And, and I think just the challenge of what I want my boys to see, um, how I want, you know, if I don't lead by example, um, with my Christian walk, you know, I, I can't expect my kids, you know, you can't just dump them off at youth group or dump them off at Sunday school or church and hope somebody else takes care of it. Um, and I grew up with two great parents who live that my wife comes from a strong Christian family with her dad, her mom. And so those influences were huge. And, and my hope is, you know, some of those kids who maybe don't have those same influences, that same value, they can see something different in me that attracts them to it. And then as my dad did, if that opportunity presents itself with a question or this or that, that's where you take advantage. And, and that's where I think God opens those doors for you to use your, your position or to use um, your relationships to, to hopefully share his word. Well, I want to underscore what you said. You said, do you change around people yeah. or do they change around you? Powerful quote. I want our listeners to hear that. And I think you're right. There's that old adage that, you know, we ought to share the gospel. And if necessary, we use words, you know, yeah. Yeah. and, and faith, faith is an action, right? It's, it's how you lead through your example and right. you're doing that. And your dad did that. And um, I want to, I want to end kind of on, on this note with you, Aaron, and I'm going to ask you maybe a, a, a deeper question that maybe you're prepared for, but um, I know you talk to your dad often. I'm sure you believe that he's in his eternal home, right? Yep. And he's uh, living some of his best days, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but if he was, if he was with you and maybe he stepped into your office today and you got a minute with pops, you got a minute with your dad, Ed Thomas, what would you say to him? I just probably just tell him how much I loved him and, um, how appreciative I am. Is there everything he did, you know, for me, you know, growing up and the example he was, cause I think you don't realize it in the moment, you know, I, I'm hoping one might. I'm hoping with my kids, I'm, I'm a whole lot smarter in 20 years than, than I am what they think I am now. Uh, and I know that was for me, but uh, just the role model he was and just how thankful um, I was for my childhood, for his love, for his example, um, for just the support he gave me the, the, you know, I, I think especially with you know, my challenge with my sons is, you know, he respected me. Um, he believed in me. Um, those are such important thing, characteristic things that, that reflecting back now help me become, you know, the confident person I am to do what I do today is because of the way he came alongside of me, the example he set for me. So those are the things that, 
you know, just a, a thank, the thank you that, that, you know, you, maybe I didn't get the chance to say, or that I took for granted. Um, and reflecting back now, 12 years later, that's very clear for me to see. Well, there's somebody listening. There's at least one person listening that's going to reach out to pops, you know, um, yep, I maybe you're listening and, and, uh, and it really makes you stop and think, you know, I got emotional just listening to you share that because I think about the relationship that I have with my dad, right. you know, and life is so short. And I think about the brevity of life and it's here today, gone tomorrow. And uh, as a believer, we know that we've got an eternal home, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our life is, is really not here on earth, but it's, it's yeah. eternal, right? If we believe in Jesus and right. Um, but I just, I want to say thank you because I think Aaron, your story and the way that you conduct yourself and the way that you continue to tell the story stops people dead in their tracks. It really makes people think and pause about, you know, what, what is life really about? What am I living for? Right. And what are the things that I'm worried about? Or, or, you know, what am I giving too much attention to? So, um, I just want to say, thanks for sharing this time with our listeners. Thanks for spending time with us. And I, I guess my final question is if you had any other just thoughts, comments, or advice that you wanted to share with our community, um, whether it's about some of the stuff we've already talked about or anything else unrelated, uh, what, what would you share? I just, I think one of the things, you know, my dad often talks about, you never know when you're going to have a platform. You never know when you're going to have an opportunity. And I don't care what your role is, you know, taking pride in our work or in, in what you do, the, the way you can impact whoever you come in contact with, you know, don't take that for granted. Oh, I'm just uh, whatever you fill in the blank. You know, if you don't think your career is, you know, of some high standing, you can still be, such an impactful person to everybody who comes around you. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think my dad proved that at a small school, his impact that ended up did get here, heard, you know, throughout our country, but it was how he lived his life each and every day with the passion and the enthusiasm for what he did. Um, each and every one of us can do that. And if we do that, how much better of a place would it be? You know, if, if we don't just think of ourselves, we take great pride and we work as hard as we can. And the we, we cert- live to, to serve and impact other people. Um, you're going to have a heck of an impact. You know, my dad left a legacy, not because he left a bunch of money, I'll promise you, because he left a bunch of relationships and he stood for something. And each and every one of us have that ability. Amen to that. That's for sure. Well, I, um, I know we're going to have some people that want to reach out to you, Aaron, that want to know more about you specifically in your work. Um, today, you're a, you're a speaker and, and you're speaking a lot um, yeah. and you're, you're getting a lot of inquiries and, and people want to hear more of you. So if somebody wants to hear you speak or they just want to get in touch with you, Aaron, wh- where do they find you? Yeah, uh, the website Aaron W. Thomas speaking uh, is out there, and that's the best way to contact me. It's through one of my best friends from high school, Brett Kramer, is kind of the guy who organizes all those things for me. And uh, or they can email me at Applington Parkersburg. Just jump onto the school website, shoot me an email at my school email, and um, you know, I have been very fortunate to be able to go out and tell my dad's story, and um, which has led to talking about things that I'm passionate about with the leadership and done all those things and just feel so fortunate to continue my dad's legacy to tell my story and then hopefully inspire um, and help others that go through tough things that you can be better because of it and you can keep moving forward even in the worst possible circumstance and situation but truly just my honor Jordan I, I so appreciate you having me on and give me this platform and chance to speak with you today and um, like I said love the leadership I know the lineup you put together and to be able to have a segment or you worthy think I'm worthy of that is, is I'm blown away and humbled by the opportunity. So I do thank you for the chance today. Well, this will be one of our best episodes ever. And we did cover faith, family, football, <laughs> just like your dad would want it to go. There right. It is. And, there uh, is. and this is just the beginning of a friendship and I know we're going to do some cool stuff in the future, Aaron. So I just want to say thanks again for hanging with us. Thanks for your message. Thanks for who you are. Thanks for living out 
what it means to show the love of Christ, uh, to give people grace, hope. And um, you're an example for a lot of good people. And you're an example for me. You're an example for our listeners today. So thanks again for being with us. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. And uh, again, we want to say thanks to Aaron Thomas for his wisdom, his message, and ultimately the life that he's living that's leading a lot of people forward in a positive direction. We also want to say thank you to the late, great Ed Thomas. Thanks for your example. Um, Thanks that we get to have these conversations about a life that you lived that was meaningful and significant. Thanks to our producers, John Choate and James Roth, all the work that you do behind the scenes to make these episodes go. If you enjoyed today's conversation, I'd love it if you'd like, share, or subscribe to this podcast so we can move our mission of impacting more people forward. Be well, be great. Have an amazing day.